You give me courage I didn't know that I had. You move me. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about that as a reg- particularly as it pertains to your and my, all of us, mental health. I'm not a psychologist, uh, not qualified, nor do I have a desire to be. I love, the, I love the teaching of it. I love studying about it and reading a little bit about it. One of the things, though, that I get really excited about with this, this message is, is that it really shows us that Jesus, long before there was anything called psychology, Jesus was teaching sound psychological principles. And that's one of the things I love about the Bible, is that there's, there's so much wisdom here. And that's why I've committed my life to teaching it, because there's just so much here that, that if we're not careful, we can miss. One of my, um, one of the, there are several, but one of the things that can really get me stirred up, and um, maybe you've seen that at times, is when I hear people saying, the Bible is boring. And I'm like, you know what? And that's what usually I get a little fired up and get a little fiery, and I'm like, the Bible's not boring. Preachers are boring. I have been. I've known others that are, but the Bible's not, and, and Jesus is not. And when you really understand the context and what's going on and, and the teaching that is there, it's pretty amazing stuff. And, and that's one of my goals this morning is to show you that. Jesus is teaching this when he, in the, during his life. Keep in mind, it would be 1879. Let me help you with that. That's like post-Civil War. Before we have the guy that is sort of credited, a guy named Wilhelm Wundt, German, obviously. Um, before we have the guy who is credited as being the father of psychology, at least the father of modern psychology. 1879, okay? If you really want to reach back, the first guy that, that most psychology books that really started exploring anything like this was a guy by the name of Gokol, another German. I don't know what it is with the Germans. They, they, they got this thing wired in here. Um, Gokal was he lived in 1590. So you want to even give it 1590. Here's Jesus talking about principles of sound mental health during 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 his during the life of Christ, and it would be many many centuries before we started kind of figuring some of this stuff out. So this is kind of this kind of fires me up. Before people even knew they could delve into such things, Jesus is addressing some of the key issues of life. And it, it, it does. It really fires me up. You know, one of the things I started to do, and I, and I thought, he, you know, I started to do maybe, a, you know, five or six or ten, ten top ten list or something. Or you might need a psychiatrist if. And, and I was thinking of some funny things, you know, here and there. You know, if you, you know, watch too much football or if you order Jack and Coke and hold the Coke. I mean, if you, you, you might have a problem. You know, things like that. I started thinking of different ways that you could describe. And then I thought... And somebody said this to me, I was talking about somebody, he says, you know, you've got to be careful with that because, because some, people, some people may get offended and may even turn them off from seeing a psychologist or psychiatrist and they really need to see them. And, and really that's true. Uh, that's more important to me is that you understand that. Because here's the thing that happens, and, and even, the, even a little bit of a danger with the film clip that we saw, which is just a great film. And, and I don't approve of everything that happens in it. And, and, and Steve says he can't see himself in there. I can show him you in, him in there several times. But, but <laughs> and myself, and myself, and, 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 and uh, you know, the whole thing about washing your hands all the time. I got that going on. But anyway, get into it. I love wintertime in New York because I can wear gloves in the subway. But anyway, um, 
and just doesn't look right. It just doesn't look right in the summer, you know, even though I'd like to. But one of the dangers of a movie like that, as funny as it is, and you make fun of, of, of yourself if you're, if you're fun with it, have some fun with it. But one of the dangers is sometimes you look at that and you see extreme behavior and you say, that's not me. And it may be a deterrent for some people maybe to see a psychologist or a psychiatrist when they really need to. And the truth is, let me make this statement, and this will, this will, this will, this will stir up some emails, and that's okay. My email traffic's been a little slow, so let me just kind of stir it up here a little bit. Um, one of the things that will we'll, we'll do that is that I'll, I will make this statement even, and that is that every single one of us in either one of these services at different times in our life may need some, psycho, some psychological therapy. We'll need it. And if you're sitting there thinking, everybody except me, then I would say you need it the most right now, you know? So just think along those lines with me for a moment. Let's just get, get into the life of Christ and, and some of the things that he said. I'm going to show you five ways of how Jesus taught relevant psychological truth. I'm going to show you just five of them. Like we could teach a lot more. Two of them kind of go together. I'll show you that when I get there. But, uh, and I'm just gonna, they're very simple, very simple, very, I mean, very elementary. Uh, principles, but we're going to show them to you, show you what Jesus, where he said, what he said in one of the Gospels, and just kind of go from there, let you think about it from there, let you think about it, maybe pray about it, maybe talk to some, one of your friends or, or, or someone else about it, all right? So just five very simple things that I want to show you, um, five ways that Jesus taught relevant psychological truth. Number one is a very important one. It's where we start. He prioritized self-honesty. He prioritized self-honesty. You've got to be honest with yourself. You know, it's not, it's not in the Bible, but the Greeks have a proverb, know thyself. It's a good proverb. It's taught in the Bible in different ways. Know who you are. Know yourself. Know your strengths. Know your weaknesses. Don't play games with yourself. Easy to do sometimes. Let me show you what Jesus said in the Gospel of John. This is pretty good. This is in the, uh, in the, in the uh, message translation or paraphrase. And this is, this is, pretty, this is pretty on point stuff. Let me, before I read this, let me just say this. Every one of these things, if you practice, you'll be better off for it, no matter what you believe, okay? Every one of these things, if you practice, whether you even believe in God or not, you will be helped by doing this. Now, here's the key to this. It's my understanding that as we have a relationship with God, these things can be enhanced in our lives in a great way. So let me just... Begin with that. This first one is prioritize self-honesty. Let me show you what Jesus says in John 3. This is the crisis we're in. God light streamed into the world. But men and women everywhere ran from the darkness. They went for the darkness because they were not really interested in pleasing God. Watch this. Everyone who makes a practice of doing evil, addicted to denial, you know anybody? Addicted to denial and illusion, hates God light, they won't come near it fearing a painful exposure. It is painful. Let me just say that. It is painful to come face to face in the mirror with who you are and some of the, some of the quote unquote, figuratively speaking, demons that reside inside of you. That's painful. I've done that. It's not fun. It's a painful process. It sometimes needs to be repeated. Verse 21, anyone working and living in truth and reality welcomes God light so the work can be seen for the God work that it is. Jesus says you've got to know yourself. 
And aside, really, that's, I mean, yeah, you can practice some of that without God, but without God working in your heart, without, without that divine working in your heart and in your life, that's going to be very difficult to do. It's hard enough anyway. But it's going to be very difficult to do. Without God in our lives, we can become self-absorbed. We can, come, we can become delusional, excuse-making people in denial. And the dirty, rotten shame of the whole thing is a lot of people live that way. And that's pretty tough. And that's no way to live. That's not what God intended. It's not what He desires at all for us. When we come to God and allow His light to come into our lives, we are better able to to see ourselves honestly. Much better able to see ourselves honestly. That's the first one. Prioritize self-honesty. Not always easy, Usually painful, but it's got to happen. It's got to happen if we're going to grow in any way in our life, but especially spiritually. So that's the first thing. Second thing, here we go. Let's keep moving with these. This is one that's really big for uh, us here at Renaissance. We talk about this a lot, and it's really important to us. And even though we're big on it as part of our mission statement, it's still easy to not do it. All right? And that is Jesus encouraged authenticity. One of our mission statement is to experience and explore authentic faith in the real world. And we're real big on authenticity here. And we, it's real important for you, for we think, for people to just be who they are and to be able to admit whatever their, whatever their beliefs are, whatever their weaknesses might be, even their strengths. If someone doesn't even believe in God, and we have people like that here every Sunday, they say, you know, and usually it comes out something like, you know, I'm not even sure I believe all this. And I'm like, great, we're glad you're here. Good place to explore. You know, and, and, and let's be authentic about that. Even as much as we have tried, and we have tried hard from the very beginning to make that, even then it's still hard. It's still easy to kind of just kind of cruise into a, an inauthentic mode and just sort of play the game and, and so forth. And, and, and nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Uh, and uh, especially God. So let me show you some passages from Jesus' words in Luke, Gospel of Luke. <laughs> these are these are pretty good. Um, this first one comes from Luke chapter nine, and again the message uh, paraphrase. Look what he says here: self help is no help at all. <laughs> self sacrifice is the way, my way to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? Jesus said that. Just, you know, and later on he puts it this way. Let me just keep going. What I'm in verse Luke chapter fourteen. What I'm saying is. If you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to be simply yourself, you'll become more than yourself. So here's sort of a combination thing. Jesus is not only teaching self, self-honesty here. He's also saying, be authentic. Be who you are. And you know what? There's not a person here, I dare say this, there's not a person here who isn't repelled by hypocrisy. Uh, that's true for all of us. I don't care what you're, where you are in the journey of faith or what your beliefs are. None of us like hypocrisy. One of the reasons some people find more acceptance in a bar than they do at church is because you can be yourself. You know, and it's, it's too bad that we don't find that more in places like Renaissance. Hopefully you do here. Uh, and if you don't, then we won't, we're striving for that. Encouraged authenticity. Jesus would be who you are. That's who I made you. That's how I made you. Don't try to be somebody else. Now, authenticity gives us the opportunity to realize who we are 
and to bring that to Christ. You know, and, and the thing is, we cannot give ourselves to Christ when we're so busy trying to be someone that we're not. Nobody likes that. And I can assure you, God doesn't want that. And to think, and sometimes I get this because people find out, you know, I'll be playing golf with them or whatever, and they'll find out I'm a minister. And it's always, I've been tempted to lie a few times. What do you do? I've, oh, I'm a consultant. You know, um, you know because as soon as you, as soon as you drop the, the minister word or the pastor word or, 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 the, or the rev, like some, I've been called in the East more than ever, I've been called reverend. Um, I have a caddy at this club where I played called me Rev all the time. And it's like, hey, Rev, what do you want to hit? I'm like, okay. But whenever you drop that on somebody, they always say, oh, you know, I, I, you know I, it's just like, you know, you don't have to say anything. But you usually get this thing, well, you know, I kind of want to go to church sometime again. But, you know, I got to get my life cleaned up first. And, and I always stop and say, hey, no, you don't. Just Go. Because if you're waiting, if you're looking for a church to go to where everybody's all cleaned up on the inside, there's not going to be a place for you, particularly Renaissance Church. There'll be no pastor, okay? Um, if you're looking to get everything cleaned up everywhere, you know? That's what, that's what the process is about. That's what faith is about. That's what we begin the process of faith with Christ. Be authentic about that. Be somebody you're not. You have to act like you're something that you're not. Don't. People don't like that. And more important than that, God doesn't want that from anybody. And, and, and so many times that gets messed up. All right, that's the second thing. He encouraged authenticity. Third thing. Third thing and the fourth thing kind of go together. You'll see this. This is a, this is a big one. This, this one right here, this one right here alone is the cause of so many of the psychoses and so many of the problems and so many of the insecurities and all the junk that we kind of carry around with us. Here it is. Jesus warned against unresolved conflict. He warned against that. Now, I understand. Now, let me read this. And I want to talk about this in a minute because I don't want anybody to misunderstand some things about this. Matthew chapter 5. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. This is Jesus talking. If you enter your place, your place of worship to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering, leave immediately, and go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. Here's a principle that he's, and I want to just comment on this for a moment because this can be easily misunderstood. Before you really can go about things vertically with God, as some people call it, taking care of business with God, so to speak, you have to, you have to take care of business in terms with people. With the horizontal relationships affect the vertical relationship. Now, it would be wrong for you to think, well, there's a lot of stuff in my life, Rich, you don't even have a clue. I understand that. There's also, there's also, I don't have it for you in PowerPoint, I'll just give it to you. Romans also puts this, this is a great verse, be at peace with all men so far as it depends upon you. So glad he added that, so far as it depends upon you. Because some people don't want to be at peace with me, and there's nothing I can do about that. But where I can resolve those conflicts with those parents, with that, with that ex-mate, with that adult child, that cousin, that business partner, that guy, that guy that, that took your money and just shafted you big time. He got the gold mine, you got the shaft. Um, that guy, if you don't resolve that as best as you can, then you're going to have that hanging over you. 
when it comes time to pray. You got the, it's unresolved. Now, just because it's, again, I want, to be, I want to go over the top here and make sure I clear this up. That doesn't mean that there won't be conflicts that I haven't been able to clear up because somebody else is not willing to. I can't do anything about that other person. I can only do something about me. And that's, that's, what, that's what Jesus is telling us here. And that is, you know, with the exception of some physical problems, just about every kind of dysfunction and psychoses and complex and so forth can, can, can fall under this unresolved conflict category. And sometimes we just won't deal with them and we need to. Another, there's another passage in the Bible that says this, don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. And that's what happened. That's from uh, the book of Ephesians, New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter 4. Um, you need to think about this. I, I, I can't, you know, name every situation that may come up in your mind, but I, I dare say some of you probably have already thought of some situations that you've just let go. And you just let it go and let it go and it just still eats you up. And, you know, there are times when we have to stop and, and maybe that means... I don't know what it means for you. Maybe that means I make a phone call. Maybe that means I send an email. Maybe it means, maybe it means I send a snail mail. Maybe it means I go see somebody. Maybe it means I pray about a certain situation because there's nothing else I can do. I don't know what that means for you, but I want you to give it some thought and to give it even some prayer. You know, and, and you know, sometimes it works this way too. You know, um, I've experienced this, and, and I'm, you know... The good news and the bad news for me is I'm, because of my profession, I, I, I have to pray a lot. I get paid to pray. I don't know if you ever thought about that or not. Um, still don't pray enough. But, um, and there have been times when I've been praying over things or praying about what I'm going to be talking about or preparing or whatever. And, and I remember the last, last night or yesterday or this conflict that I had with my wife and you know and maybe it wasn't a huge you know we've been married long enough not usually huge deals but little words little tone of voice whatever you just kind of set each other off the wrong way and more than once I've had to pick up the phone and say hey I can't get anything done here or go home say I can't get anything done I'm sorry I'm a jerk please forgive me and mean it I don't mean just go through the accent but really mean it not hard for me to mean it because usually it is me and usually I was. Um, warning, Jesus warned against the unresolved conflict in your life. Whatever that is, deal with it, all right? Now this, this, this fourth one, as you're going to see, kind of goes along with a third. These are the two that I almost put together, but I, I wanted to make sure I had a, a good clarification so I didn't. So here's, here's the fourth one. Jesus taught the importance of forgiveness, you see how those two go together, pretty unresolved conflict, forgiveness. Um, Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 6, in prayer there is a connection between what God does and what you do. Watch this. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. You have to forgive. That's the other part of that whole unresolved conflict. You've got to forgive. And sometimes you don't hear the words you want to hear. Sometimes you're not going to hear the words, well, I'm really sorry. You're not going to hear that. Sometimes you want to hear the opposite. But are you going to put your emotional welfare, your emotional health, your mental health in the hands of another? Or are you going to say, you know what, I forgive you. You don't have to say it out loud. You've got to mean it, though, in your heart. Um, one writer said this, forgiveness is almost a selfish act. 
because of its immense benefits to the one who forgives. I would only say, here, here. Smeeds, another writer. You will know that forgiveness has begun when you recall those who hurt you and feel the power to wish them well. Has that happened to you? Somebody really hurt you, and you think about them, and you go, jerk. Hope they burn the deepest part of hell, you know? I've had some practice at this, I don't know, you know, not just the rhetoric either. Um, You've got to get to the point where you can pray. And I, 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 I promise you, I've had to do this a number of times. You have to get to the point where you can say, God, please bless him. And I mean it. Bless him. Now, let me help you with this. It doesn't happen overnight. Okay? It doesn't happen with one come to Jesus' experience. It's a process. But you can get there with God's help. I, don't, I, I honestly don't know if you can do it without God. I never have. And I know it's hard enough with God. But you have to get to that point where you can just say, God, please bless him. Please bless him. You say, yeah, yeah, you got to do it. Trust me on this one, all right? It will take, it will just, you'll, you'll, you know, I'm not into feelings, but I mean, it will just, you will just feel like, oh, gosh, just like the load has been lifted when it's real, when it's authentic, and it's not just some contrived bunch of words, all right? Jesus taught the importance of forgiveness. Last thing, and this is so, this is something that really has been more discovered in my lifetime. I remember the, it's been several years, but I remember the first time, or pretty much the first time, when I heard the word burnout. Oh, what's that mean? Then I experienced it. <laughs> Here's what Jesus, Jesus understood the concept, and the cure, by the way, of burnout. Jesus understood that, taught that in his life. He taught that to his followers and, and others who would listen. He taught that, and this is, this is, this pretty, let me, let me, before, before I show you what Jesus said, let me show you, let me show you what Freud said. This is interesting. Freud said, a man should not strive to eliminate his, complex, his complexes, but get into accord with them. They are legitimately what directs his conduct in the world. That's not bad thinking. <laughs> I don't know that I totally agree with that, but that's, a, that's an interesting thought. Man should not strive to eliminate his, his complexes, but here's the part that get in accord with them. They are legitimately what directs his conduct in the world. That is often true. Now, I believe through God's power we can overcome some of those, some of those uh, complexes if they're, not, if they're not healthy. So that's where, I don't know if Sigmund would agree with that or not, but I think that's, that's what Jesus would say. Now, let me show you what Jesus says because this is really big. I love this part. He understood the concept of burnout. And I love this. This is a passage, if you come here very often, you'll hear me re- probably recite this, this passage in one or two or three different translations, probably three or four times a year, because it's such a great passage. Matthew chapter 11, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Here, here. Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, Jesus says. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. 
I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's pretty heavy stuff. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's Jesus. Jesus understands the sound mental health principles that I need and that you need. And I said earlier, these will work whether you believe in in God. This, This will improve your life whether you believe in God or not. While that is true, I don't know how you can truly practice these without a relationship with God, with Christ, who first uttered these truths. That's, that's, what's, that's what's so good. When you, when you think about that song that, the, that Julie and the, and the band sang earlier, I lie here on the couch with my heart hanging out, frozen solid with fear like a rock on the ground. But you move me. You give me courage I didn't know I had. You move me. I can't go without you. Let's pray together and have them come up and sing that for us. God, we are grateful. We are grateful as we think and as we pray and as we just sort of move through this whole thought process of, of what it means to be healthy in your sight and what it means to be healthy with other humans and how those two go hand in hand and how that really, really is joined by a relationship with you, our God and our Lord. I pray that for each person here. As we come to understand as we come to have a greater grasp of, in some cases, for the first time, what it means to have a relationship with Christ. We pray that and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.